Hi, I'm Tafik Chernivas, and this is Arnav Verstogi. And together, we are co-hosts of the Backdeal Drift. Thank you for tuning in. I know last episode we said we're going to be talking about our post-draft tier list this week, but we're going to switch it up a bit and give our takeaways from the 2021 NFL Draft and our thoughts on which teams we thought were the biggest winners and losers. With that being said, let's get right into it. Yeah, it was an exciting 2021 NFL draft. I think we saw a lot of surprises, and that's that's really what kept a lot of fans into the draft. I mean, we had record viewership. This was an exceptional draft, and, you know, a lot of surprises. You know, I thought Penny Sewell was going to the Bengals, and, you know, what we predicted with teammates at the college level translating and going to the NFL as teammates, I think – that prediction was actually right, right? You had the Bengals drafting Jamar Chase to play alongside Joe Burrow, both played at LSU. And the Dolphins drafting Jalen Waddle to play alongside Tua Tagovailoa, both played at Alabama. And I mean, both of those teams got some really, really good playmakers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just showing us, you know, this where the league is going. It's about having those threats at the receiver position, being able to pass the ball effectively, having a connection with your quarterbacks and receivers. And definitely, you know, I would even add as an Eagles fan, Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts, kind of a throwback addition of the wide receiver quarterback tandem. But it's really that. And, you know, as I just brought it up as an Eagles fan, I am so delighted to see that move. We traded up in front of the Giants And, you know, I was worried as an Eagles fan that we weren't going to be able to get our hands on one of the top receivers in the draft. But it just happened, you know, Devontae Smith fell down the boards and we made the move to go get him. Yeah, you know, rare trade between rivals with the Cowboys. But the Eagles got their man. I mean, I was worried that, you know, you guys would actually have to trade back in the draft because you guys weren't going to get a receiver. Um, I thought that, you know, these – I thought I thought even more exaggerated version of what you thought. I thought the receivers would go four, uh, five, six, and seven just because they were so good. And you know, the way you know this league is trending, you can never have too many wide receivers. So, and lo and behold, Devontae Smith fell. And I think it's it's crazy. You know, a lot of people look at Jalen Hurts and they think back to the Oklahoma and how he balled out there. But you know, he was in Alabama. He he played in Alabama with Devontae Smith, with Jalen Waddle. And those boys. So I think I I honestly think that these three receivers here, if you see them have above average seasons, like I'm talking Justin Jefferson like seasons right out the gate, don't be surprised because they already got a chemistry with their quarterback, right? They're gonna they're they're getting they're touching down in their respective facilities and they're they're hitting the road and they're not they're not looking back. Yeah, and Above average, I'll go for it, but I don't know if I would put above average and Justin Jefferson in the same sentence there because his season was phenomenal. I would not call that above average by any means. But, yeah, if I if we could, as an Eagles fan, get even a fraction of what, you know, Justin Jefferson gave the Vikings, I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah. And another team that is certainly happy following this draft, the Chicago Bears. And, we were talking about this. We were like, you know, Chicago sitting at 20. They have some needs. 
especially at the quarterback position. It looked like a lost cause, really. And they made that surprising move, that big move of the draft, trading up, giving up two firsts to the Giants to get the quarterback of the future in the Windy City, Justin Fields. What do you think of the move, Savic? Yeah, I absolutely love it. And, you know, you said it. We talked about this. The Bears were there at 20. We knew they weren't going to be able to get a quarterback sitting there. They had to make a move up. We sort of anticipated this, and it played out like we saw that it would. You know, a guy fell down the boards. Am I surprised that it was Justin Fields? Maybe. I I expected him to be gone at three, if I'm being honest. But, you know, I know that Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. He knows what he wants. Trey Lance has sky-high potential. But – to get a guy like Justin Fields at number 11, the potential is there. I think that's a home run pick. Yep. And, you know, now you sort of give the team some direction, right? You know, you have your quarterback of the future. You know what the goal is and where you want to be, right? You don't just trade up two first-round picks to get a guy like this, right? You know, you have to have some sort of belief and commitment to him. And I think now it's going to fall on – the Chicago's coaching staff to sort of develop him, right? You have Andy Dalton, who's a capable starter, right? Now it's going to be on Matt Nagy. Can he develop and help Justin Fields become that exceptional quarterback that he can like reach his true potential, right? Can Matt Nagy help Justin Fields reach his true potential is the key question here. And I'm just excited to see how it plays out because in my opinion, Justin Fields, was the number two ranked quarterback in this draft class and the Chicago bears, they got a steal here. Yeah. And you know, my initial reaction to getting to seeing him get drafted to Chicago, I was like, is that the best place for him to succeed? But then, you know, I told myself, Matt Nagy is a guy that comes from that Andy Reid tree. He knows what he's doing, but I think this is sort of a prove it year for Matt Nagy. What, what can you do with a guy like Justin Fields? You know, we anticipate him at some point. He's going to be on the field. I don't think Andy Dalton's going to start all 17 games. But I think this is sort of a proven year for Matt Nagy, too, because this whole time it's been, you know, Trubisky sort of not executing the offense to the full extent. You know, there were reads open. There were beautiful play designs, but he wasn't able to take full advantage of that. And Justin Fields is a guy that can do that. So it's up to Matt Nagy to put him in the best position to succeed. Right. You know, we blame, we put, put a lot of the blame for Chicago's struggles on Mitchell Trubisky. We're going to see if it was Trubisky who the majority of the blame should have fell on, or was it Matt Nagy and, you know, his coaching style, which should have had most of the blame put on because if just, if they can't develop Justin Fields, like we all know this kid has talent. So to see him not develop and to see the bears waste this type of talent, it would be truly disgraceful. All right, let's switch gears here. I think a big thing in the draft that allowed teams to really take advantage was trading back, accumulating picks, and still getting top players. Right, and two of our biggest winners that we identified in the draft, the Vikings and the Giants, did just that. And I mean, they nailed it. So, you know, a report came out that the Vikings were actually looking to draft Justin Fields, and obviously uh, Chicago trades up and gets him. So what did the Vikings do? They say, all right, you know what? We have Kirk Cousins. We got him for a couple of seasons. Let's just stay there. Let's relax. Let's get the man some help. We don't, we are not getting the guy who we want. Let's trade back. So they traded back to 23, 
And they ended up getting the second best tackle in the draft, Christian Derisov, right? You got to be content with that. Not only that, but you accumulated more third round picks, which helped you get some amazing talents that fell, right? We're talking about Kellen Mond, right? That's your quarterback who you're going to develop. You got Chaz Surratt, one of the best linebackers in the draft who played quarterback in college. And you got Wyatt Davis, another starter on the offensive line. I mean, the Vikings trading back, they absolutely killed this draft. Yeah. And I think the thing that really spoke out to me was that they got guys at incredible value to trade back and get a premier left tackle, like who they were able to get at pick 23. And it's just making the most out of the picks you had and not really reaching for anybody. You know, maybe you would say Kellen Mond in the third round, but I think Kellen Mond is also a guy that has potential. If he can sit there, learn for a couple of years, maybe under Kirk Cousins. But I think Minnesota set them up, set themselves up pretty nicely with this draft. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think another team, you know, the Giants, right? So the Giants sitting at 11, they, I think, you know, they're probably going to take Devontae Smith had the Eagles not traded up, right? And lo and behold, Eagles trade up. And now the Giants are sitting there at 11. Like, you know, our biggest need was receiver. And we're not getting the guy who we wanted at this pick at, you know, if we're going to probably reach for someone if we want to address our needs. What do they do? They say, the Bears want to be aggressive. They trade back. And not only do they get a first round pick, they also get a second round pick Two like day one, day two picks where they can get a lot of talent and a lot of value in the future for. And they also pick up an amazing wide receiver and Kadarius Tony. You can make an impact on day one. Right. And I think you look at the rest of the Giants draft as well. Getting, getting absolute steals, Aziz Ojolari, who was pro- projected as a first-round pick, Aaron Robinson to fill the nickel position uh, alongside uh, Logan Ryan and James Bradbury. I mean, similar to the Vikings, the Giants, I mean, exceptional job by Dave Gettleman. Yeah, and, you know, when you have a young quarterback like Daniel Jones, we say this, you've got to do everything in your power to put him in a position to succeed and the Giants are doing just that. And, you know, you, you think about, like, you know, Sam Darnold and what was going on with him in the past. But that's, that's not what's going on in this New York team. They're doing everything they can to support Daniel Jones. And he's going to be put in a position where he has everything he needs to go out and succeed in 2021. Yep, definitely. And, you know, speaking of Sam Darnold and the Jets not getting him help, they certainly got their new quarterback some help. And they surprisingly on jets, like actually made a lot of great picks and, you know, Robert Solomon, he brought in this culture and I I like the direction that this organization is going in, you know? So pick two, I think everyone knew that they were going to go Zach Wilson. That's their quarterback of the future, but it's really what they did afterwards that defined them as one of the biggest winners of the draft. Um, They had another first round pick and they got Elijah Vera Tucker. They, they traded up to get Elijah Vera Tucker and what an absolute steal he's going to be, right? You're talking about now you have Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker on one side of the line. Think about how successful the Jets can be running the football here. Not only that, they got Elijah Moore who just fell out of the first round. So now as the Jets, you know, you have Corey Davis and Elijah Moore 
both were giving Zach Wilson some premier targets. I mean, the Jets, you have you have to say it. This is the right direction. They've taken a massive step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, what we want to look for with these teams that, you know, have really been struggling for uh, like the past decade, you want to see direction. Does this organization have a plan? Are they putting the pieces together to really allow that plan to succeed? And we're seeing that just a day after they draft Zach Wilson, they're getting the guys around him to help him succeed, addressing the offensive line, getting him a receiver. They added some depth positions too and I really just think that it's only a matter of time before you know Robert Sala establishes his scheme on this team and the culture that he brings I think the Jets are turning it around believe it or not yeah and and you know when we when when we look at the winners of these drafts right we're looking at teams that fill their needs with the best available players that put their team in positions to succeed and I mean the Jets did exactly that Top three needs were quarterback, offensive line, and wide receiver. And top three picks, quarterback, offensive line, and wide receiver. And they got the premier talent at each position. It, it's a home run. I mean, I mean, the Jets, exceptional job. Yeah. Another team, you know, that I think had an exceptional draft, the Carolina Panthers. And this is a team that's been brewing this for a long time. You know, we had them in our top three off seasons back in 2020. And they're back at it here in the draft, the Carolina Panthers. They start off hot in the first round. J.C. Horn with pick eight, premier corner, a guy that has potential to be one of the top cornerbacks in the league. And they follow it up in the second round with Terrace Marshall. And and he's the type of guy this offense needs because they have the slot receivers. They have the speed guys. They have the running back out of the backfield. But what do they need? They need that deep threat on the outside a guy that you can throw the ball up to and he can go get it. And what makes this pick even better is Terrace Marshall is a guy that played at LSU. And who was the offensive coordinator there? Joe Brady. You have that connection. He's going to know how the system works. And it's just going to be really easy to get him going and hit the ground running. Yeah, and I think the Panthers' excellent draft strategy actually goes beyond the first two picks, which were, like you said, like you eloquently explained, they were amazing right? You're looking at Tommy Tremble, who was arguably, in my opinion, the second best tight end behind Kyle Pitts, you know, and you to sort of fill that Greg Olson uh, void that, you know, he had by leaving for Seattle and then obviously retiring, right? And then after that, and I think this might be one of the underrated pickups of the draft in the fourth round, they got Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. And he was a national sensation at running back. He was running wild over the big 12 and to get him in the fourth round, adding that power scheme to the versatility of Christian McCaffrey. You're talking about DJ Moore on the outside, Terrace Marshall here. Dude, this offense is scary. I mean, I mean the Panthers, man, they killed this draft. Absolutely. Everywhere you look, they added depth. They added talent. They checked off all the boxes you want to see in a winner of the NFL draft. Yeah. And even throw one more piece in the mix there. Shy Smith, an absolute steal. This is a guy played out South Carolina and he has that element of speed and just kind of go up and get it type of guy, you know, 50, 50 balls back shoulder. I just think that they're putting, this offense together and it has everything, you know, you have the running back out of the backfield, you have the receivers on the outside, they can go get the ball. 
you have the slot guys, you know, like that can really win with speed. I think it's just everything here that's putting these guys in a position to succeed. And not to mention this defense is really a defense that can honestly compete. You know, we saw what they did to the Green Bay Packers last year. I remember that game really giving Aaron Rodgers a lot of trouble and adding to that defense here. I guess I'm going to put this out there. I think Carolina is a team that can make a run at a wild card spot. What do you think about that? I mean, yeah, that's definitely possible. Well, obviously it depends, like, if all this young talent pans out and if Matt Rule is able to, you know, have a strong hold of the locker room and is able to motivate guys. And, you know, as a team, they need to come together, right? On paper, talent-wise, they have all the pieces that they need. Now it needs to come together. And we have seen sometimes where it does come together and sometimes where it doesn't. So I think it's still TBD, but, you know, we want to hope the best for a young Carolina Panthers team. And, you know, it, it, the future is looking bright here. All right. Um, you know, we've been talking about all these wide receivers, how deep the class was, all these steals. And, I, I mean, the next guy, he's getting jealous just hearing all this. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And we really have to address this broken relationship, man, because, I mean, the Packers, not only did they lose the draft, but they lost their Hall of Fame quarterback in the process as well. Yeah, and I guess this is something that's kind of been years in the making, but this has kind of hit the tipping point now. And I don't know, man. Honestly, I think both parties, they, they're not on the same page right now. And the best thing you expected, there's going to be a, a parting that comes. Yeah, and, and I mean – even in this draft, right, you, you look you look at you would at least think the Packers would make some sort of last ditch effort to say, you know, we're committed to you, Aaron. You know, we're getting you the pieces that you want. You know, you've, you've taken us to two NFC championship games, not able to get over the hump. We'll give you all the resources you need. Right. You know, sitting at pick twenty nine, they could have easily taken a Terrace Marshall to help out Devontae Adams and give Aaron Rodgers another big target. But they got Eric Stokes to help out the defense, maybe fill that Kevin King void. Um, he wasn't even the best corner available at the time, which baffles me, right? I think his teammate, his teammate who played alongside him at Georgia, was would have been a better pick. Um, but the Packers skipped him, and they opted for the speedy Eric Stokes. Um, second round, they get Josh Myers, center. Um, still wasn't even the best center available at the time. Um, and, you know, really the, the, the time they addressed wide receiver was in the third round um, with Amari Rodgers passing up on so much talent. And I don't know, I, I actually might even add Elijah Moore, right? Uh, you know, he, he was available at 29 as well, right? They passed up on just so much talent where it's like, I, I think they're just, it's, it's a fractured relationship beyond repair. Yeah, and I think the really the takeaway here, for me at least, is that when you're not on the same page, when you don't have the same vision, right, it's clear that the Packers don't think that wide receiver is a top need. And Aaron Rodgers clearly disagrees with that. And and this is like a fundamental thing. When you guys, when two parties don't agree on something, it's not going to work, you know, in the long run, you're going to run into issues. And, you know, we sort of saw this with the Eagles, as I would say, you know, I, I love Doug Peterson. I love Carson Wentz, but when it's not working, it's not working. And I think 
there's no point in acting like it's working when it's not working. That's all right. And I, and I think you look at you look at some of the more successful quarterbacks and successful organizations in this league. Everyone is on the same page. You look at the Saints, right? Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, Drew Brees were always on the same page. They knew what personnel decisions they were making and which players to draft. I think you look in New England, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, they're always on the same page, right? Same thing with, I would even say Peyton Manning in Denver, right? Look at these successful quarterbacks around the league and in history. Everyone has to be on the same page for an organization to achieve success. And I think one of the main reasons that the Packers might not be able to get over the hump of that NFC championship game is that as an organization, GM, head coach, and quarterback are not all on the same page. And I think, you know, you said it best, right? And they're, they're going to encounter troubles one way or another if that problem continues to persist. And, you know, we've hit a, we've hit a tipping point here. Yeah, I think you just nailed it. And I want to even add, you know, you were talking about Belichick, Kraft, and Brady. And even what happened with them a couple seasons ago, when Brady and Belichick and, you know, they were not on the same page, you know, Brady wasn't getting the help he needed. Belichick was, you know, they weren't getting the talent. You were thinking, why aren't the Patriots going out and getting all these guys? You know, they moved on from Antonio Brown. And when they weren't on the same page, Brady decided to move on and they parted ways. And at that point, you know, they weren't trying to hold on to him saying, oh, we we won seven Super Bowls together. We can do it. But, you know, when when the time is not working, when you can't act like it's working when two parties are not on the same page. And I think what's going to be best for Green Bay is parting ways with Aaron Rodgers. Right. And if they don't, it's really going to become messy, honest, in my opinion. Right. If you have a GM who's just pleading the quarterback to stay, a coach who's pleading the quarterback to stay and the quarterback clearly doesn't want to be there. I think it's honestly going to make the situation a whole lot worse if they keep Aaron Rodgers, especially with that contract, him not him sitting out or him retiring, which is a significant possibility at this point, is just going to be like 38, 39 million of dead cap. Honestly, that's essentially what it is. So I think it's best for them to just move on at this point and before the situation gets ugly. Yeah. Don't, don't be surprised if he sits out. He's, in my opinion, he's definitely capable of doing that if he doesn't want to play. I mean, yeah, and, I, you know, you know, the Broncos, I would say, I would throw out, like, a couple of names for a trade. You know, Broncos, Raiders. I would even put the Saints there if they can make the cap work. But, yeah, they, they can't keep on to Rodgers. They have to make sure that they accumulate some picks and some talent while they can, right? I would – this is a trade package that I was thinking, the, you know, the Broncos could offer. Teddy Bridgewater to gap the quarterback situation for Jordan Love. Von Miller, you know, they need a linebacker and two first. If I'm, if I'm the Packers, I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers. He's 38. He doesn't want to be here. I'm getting a hall of fame linebacker and a quarterback who's going to help and improve my quarterback room along with two first to improve my talent pool. I'm taking that offer. I'm taking that offer in a heartbeat. Uh, that's just a trade proposal. That's, you know, that's, that's just a template. Any team can really use that, right? Uh, you can put it uh, alongside the Raiders as well. So, but overall, the message here is move on. You have to move on. Holding on to things never works and never has. All right, let's shift gears here to some other teams that maybe didn't have the best draft. You know, I want to bring up Washington. This is just my personal feeling, right? What's the one thing they need? They need a quarterback. And maybe they believe in the guys they have. Maybe they think that Taylor Heineke could be the future. But if you ask me what's the one team that needed a quarterback but didn't get one, that's Washington. 
And if you need to get a quarterback, you have to be aggressive. You have to be willing to take a chance. And my gut feeling right now is that Washington was hesitant to do so. Yeah. And, and even I would say, you know, like they should have made some sort of move late round, even like third round, fourth round, you saw a, a guys like, a, you know, Kellen Mond, we saw Ian book go to the saints, right? Saints, they have Jameis Winston. They have Taysom Hill. Why do they need a quarterback? No, they were like, okay, you know, we're getting a, a guy who we might be able to develop. Let's see what he can do. Let's take a chance on him. Even though the saints didn't really need to draft Ian book, they went ahead and took that chance. Washington actually needs a quarterback and didn't even take a chance. Right. And so overall, even though they might've made some good picks with uh, Jamin Davis with Samuel Cosby, a tackle from Texas, they might have missed out on an amazing quarterback late round. They, you know, they just skipped on so much talent at that position. And I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what Washington was thinking there, right? You know, you have an opportunity to draft a young quarterback who you might be able to develop. I don't care if it's a third round, fourth round, I'm spending that pick on a young quarterback. Yeah, and, and maybe they want to see what Taylor Heineke can do. You know, looking at the depth chart, they have four guys there, Fitzpatrick, Heineke, Allen, and Montez. But let's be honest, are any of those guys really the future? Maybe Tyler Heineke. That's the one guy I would say possibly. But is Ryan Fitzpatrick your future? No, he's not. Yeah, no. He, I mean, he's out there growing that beard, living that life. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not trying to quarterback a team for the future. So... I mean, I mean, I, I think maybe it was like, okay, you know what? We don't want it to be like, oh, you know, Taylor Heineke feels pressure that his job is under fire or something. You know, we gave this dude a, a two-year, $8 million type contract. Well, let's see what he can do because, you know, he showed exceptional leadership skills in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, maybe that mentality happened. I think that's the only thing I would say that could justify this decision. But I think I don't want it to be where three years from now, Washington looks back, it's like, man, we could have had that quarterback if we drafted him late round or even, even Justin Fields becomes successful. Right. You know, and they were hesitant to give up an extra first round pick to draft what might be an amazing quarterback. Right. So we don't want that to happen. Um, another team I do want to address who, who might've also, uh, you know, missed on a lot of guys. And I, I think lost the draft was, was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, we, we talk about sort of, filling needs, right? That, that's what we said, identified the winners, right? The teams that filled their needs with the best players. And when we look at the Steelers, they didn't really do that. You know, the only need that they filled was drafting Najee Harris at 24, which is obviously, you know, he's Najee Harris. He's going to add so much value to this team. That's an exceptional pick. But outside of that, the Steelers never made a, a concerted move to address their offensive line. And I think this is going to haunt them in the future, right? Second round, third round in the fourth round was the first time they addressed drafting an offensive tackle out of Texas A&M. And, you know, for me, right, you have Pouncey who retired, you have Villanueva who moved on, you have holes on the offensive line. Look, Najee Harris isn't going to run wild. He needs an offensive line to run behind. At Alabama, he had the support. Will he have the support with the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's a question mark. And I think, look at Ben Roethlisberger getting older, I mean, I think, I think the Steelers might have might have been one of the biggest losers of this draft. Yeah, and you know, just talking about the offensive line, they did sort of address it, you could say, you know, um, they drafted a guard in the third and an offensive tackle in the fourth. But you got to ask yourself, you know, the, where the priorities are at. Najee Harris is a home run. You know, you can't really question that. But you pick up Pat Fairmuth in the second round. 
maybe that's somewhere you could take an offensive lineman. But I guess time will tell with this draft. But it's clear that the Steelers are sort of, you know, falling out of that window of really being competitive. And we're going to see what happens with the Steelers team. Well, overall, you know, winner or loser, this was an exceptional draft night. I mean, tons of talent in this 2021 draft class. And I can't wait to see these guys develop on their new teams. I mean, this might be, when we look back at it in 10 years, one of the more talent-rich and more successful drafts that we have seen in recent years. And, you know, I'm, I'm just excited for these guys to go out and make some plays on their new teams. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we said this. This is one of the drafts that has so much depth and impact players, even drafted in, like, the second round. These are guys that are going to contribute day one. And that's really what I'm looking for this this league every year is getting so much good young talent. All these teams have explosive players and I just can't wait to watch these guys on the field. All right. With that being said, thank you for listening to the 43rd episode of the backfield rip. Be sure to tune in for our next episode where we're going to reveal our post draft tier list. See which the biggest movers are who moved in to our juggernaut category. It's going to be an exciting episode until then. It's been Arnav Rastogi and Satvik Trinavas. Stay safe and take care.